And welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks. Before we get into our show today, I always like to um, let our listeners know a little bit about us because we're always getting new uh, new people listening to us. So, bottom line, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy based company that provides multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove some of the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those dealing with this disease continue to live with purpose. And that's both people diagnosed and those that care for them. Um, At our core, we also believe that collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia. And I know it's working because of all of your likes and clicks and shares with your social media groups. You see, every time you share with your Facebook friends, your Twitter tribe, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest peeps, um, you are pushing information out to people in need. And so many people are in need of information and yet they don't know where to go. So the more we can we can make it kind of a normal thing and it's okay, it's going to make it much easier for them to reach out and grab it. So please, while you're listening today, please go ahead and share us um, you know, with all your different groups, your Google searches and, and everything. Um, it really does make a big, big difference. Um, we were recognized as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz, and that was just because of all of you. So I just want to give you a big uh, shout-out of thanks for helping us um, reach the world with just informal information and sharing of knowledge. Um, if you're listening, you might be thinking, hey, maybe I could be a guest on, on Alzheimer Speaks Radio, and you're right, because we believe everybody's voice has value. So if you're living with the disease, if you are caring for someone, either family, friend, or professional, if you have a service product or tool, we'd love to hear from you. Um, maybe you're involved in a dementia-friendly movement, um, or you've come up with something unique to help people um, utilizing your creative abilities, Um, please reach out to me because I'd love to hear from you. We have had everybody on from um, Harvard Research to movie directors and authors um, and family members, et cetera. it's, It's just a fun conversation, and I'm thrilled to have the job I have. I really, really Um, love my work. I also wanted to let you know that if you are going to be in Indiana, I will be in Fort Wayne on the 19th, October 19th, and I'll be in Maryville um, October 20th. And I will be there with the Alzheimer's Association uh, for uh, their conference, and I would love to see you. So swing on in. You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com. That's kind of our mothership. And on the front page, you can click on that information to go ahead and register. Um, I'm going to introduce my co-host with us today. Um, His name is Brian LeBlanc, and he is also one of my panelists on Dementia Chats. 
Brian has been living with dementia uh, for a period of time, and he just adds so much to the show. Welcome, Brian. How are you today? Well, thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. But more so, I like to I always like to know that I have Facebook friends and Twitter peeps and and LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> what was the LinkedIn one? Um, oh, LinkedIn colleagues. Oh, do I have I, a back one? <laughs> yeah, I I have all. Oh, a tribe. I have a tribe. I have so, a Twitter tribe. Um, Yep. A Twitter tribe. <laughs> so, but thank you very much for allowing me to be here. And uh, it, it's nice that you uh, uh, allow me to, to be a part of this. So thank you. Well, I appreciate your time and, and dedication. Um, your voice adds a lot to the show. So thank you. Our, our formal guest today is going to be Michael Devine, and he is a certified nursing assistant, a certified dementia practitioner, and a Reiki practitioner. And some of you... Um, may not even know what Reiki is. So we're going to talk all about that. He has worked um, you know, in uh, private homes as well as a 72-bed nursing home. And now he is in a dementia-only assisted living facility. So welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, Laurie. I'm so happy to be here. This is wonderful. Um, I'm just, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm just happy. This is going to be a wonderful uh, conversation. About Reiki, I love to talk about Reiki because it's um, something everybody can do, and it's it's easy once you learn it and get you know understand how it works and you know what it does for you. Um, you know it helps the patients, but it also helps the caregivers a lot too, and that's something I I think we should talk about it during this hour. Is you know we'll talk about the patients and the stress that caregivers um, go through. Um, I think. Reiki is a big help in that regard as well. Wonderful. Well, first, I always like to ask um, our guests, have you been personally touched with dementia by, you know, maybe a close friend or family member? Yes, I have, uh, matter of fact. My wife's mother, <clears throat> who passed away earlier this year, was living in a nursing home, and um, she was getting into dementia stages, and... Um, I think the fact that I had dementia training really helped her and her sister especially um, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the the brief stories, her sister flew in from Colorado with her children, and they were all excited, and we drive down to the um, nursing home, and they run into the room, and they're all, hey, what's going on? And, And the woman, you know, her mother threw them out. Got real upset and threw them out. Said, get out, get out. And they were outside in the hallway crying their eyes out. They didn't know what to do. And I said, let's go eat lunch and we'll come back, you know, because that's what we were going to do anyway. And I explained to them that you can't startle them and wake them up and loud noises and, you know, all that. It it, it makes them, you know, get very nervous. And, and um, this wasn't directed at you. It was just a natural reaction of Alzheimer's or uh, dementia in general. And... I went in and after we had lunch and sat down and talked to her for a few minutes, and then I invited the family in, so to speak, and had them all sit down, and it went very well after that, but they did not know how to approach somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia, that you can't just, you get to, you know, they, they weren't aware that as the stages get worse and worse, that um, it takes many different forms, you know, some people get very aggressive, some people go hide under their bed, you know, some people pace up and down the hall. 
you know, but you can't do certain things, you know, like you don't take them to a rock concert, you know, because uh, there's too much for them, too many people, too loud, you know, it, 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 you just got to, you know, go with the flow. And and, and um, so it did affect me and affect my, uh, my family. One of my uncles, too, has dementia right now. Um, yeah. So it's funny you brought that. It's funny you brought that story up because uh, being w- with Alzheimer's, my sister and brother-in-law stopped by to visit me. They surprised me on a visit. Uh, they were coming back from Kentucky. They decided to come to Florida and uh, and pop in, so to speak. Well, when they knocked on the door, I opened up the door. I saw them standing there, and I completely. Just I, I I I lost it. I fell on the floor. I balled up into a crying, sobbing mess, and I couldn't talk. I could not talk to them for the rest of the time they were here. They went to stay at their hotel. They came back the next day. I knew they were coming. We had a great visit. So when you were telling the story about your your wife's mother, that's what popped into my head, and that's a. I'm glad to hear, uh, well, not glad to hear, but happy to hear that um, uh, other people are experiencing the same thing as as I did because it it, it kind of makes me feel a little bit normal uh, in in having this disease. And the more and more I get into it, the more stories like that I hear. Yes, you're exactly right. Because um, what it does is it takes so many different forms. Like I said, some people hide under the bed. Some people are very aggressive. Some people just, you know, wander up and down hallways. Uh, you know, they have their good days and their bad days. Um, but one of the general things I see amongst all of them is that you can't, like, walk up from behind them and then just stand right in front of them and say mm-hmm. something. It makes them very nervous or it makes them scared. There's a lot of them, you know, especially as they get older, they have hearing trouble, you know, they can't hear you so good. And then they also, when you're talking to them, they only hear a certain amount of words you say. You know, if you say a sentence, they might only hear two, uh, 50% of it or 75% of it. Or as it goes on, they might only hear 25% of it. So, you know, people at um, a lot of caregivers, I, I know this for a fact from my experience in being a caregiver, is they don't really do a lot of research, or they some do and some don't, on how to deal with their parents or their sister or brother or whoever the person is that's suffering from dementia, that they need to educate themselves of the do's and don'ts, so to speak. And, um, you know, it, it's a very emotional thing, you know, you know, you see, I've seen brothers and sisters and loved ones out in the corridor of a nursing home fighting with each other about mom, you know, because they don't know how to deal with it. I mean, it, 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 and they need to, it's something they need to learn how to do. You can't just assume, you know, over time you'll just figure it out. I, I honestly believe that you uh, some kind of training, whether you read a book or talk to somebody like me or whatever, to get some kind of help. Caregivers need as much help as the patients, in my opinion. And um, exactly, exactly. Oh, you know, a lot of them are very. You know, you never know too. That's one thing I figured out too over the years is that 
I've seen people that are you seem you know that seem to really have their act together and they, they're very successful people and they do you know they live in the white you know the house with the white picket fence and the wife and the kids and the dog and everything. <laughs> things start going bad, they come unglued completely, and then other ones it, they handle it very well. And you know the, the funny thing about it is you can never predict who's going to do well with it and who isn't. It's really random and. Um, so that's something I I try to, you know, there's such emotional wrecks sometimes that it's really hard to even talk to them about it. Sure. Um, during certain parts of our lives, we kind of lose our common sense, so to speak. You know, it's um, and a, an old priest told me this years ago. He said when people um, match, hatch, and dispatch is when they lose their mind. You know, when a pregnant, a woman gets pregnant, they kind of go cuckoo sometimes, or all the family around them, they'll, you know, oh, my God, we're having a baby, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they don't make some good decisions. Sometimes they make, you know, good decisions, but they go overboard or whatever. And same thing, the last two weddings I went to, it took them 45 minutes to get the bride out of the dressing room to come out. You know, she's been, you know, getting ready to be married for a long time, and then the day comes and they just can't deal with it so well. And the same thing with end-of-life um, issues. Um, you know, when people are in a, whether they're at home or in a facility, um, all common sense and things of that nature just kind of go away and it becomes just raw emotion. And, um, you know, it's just something that can be taught, but most people don't want to, you know, they don't think about, you know, I can actually learn how to deal with this. Well, Michael, let me ask you this. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit of how you got interested in Reiki to begin with, and then we'll go into what the heck is it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> how I got interested in Reiki was kind of by accident. Um, I'm 60 years old, so I've done some things in my life. I spent most of my life as a golf course guy um, in urban areas big green spaces in urban areas where I'd get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And what I was doing is I was basically a farmer. And instead of growing corn and wheat and stuff, I grew grass. And it's a cash crop, you know, believe it or not. And um, so I really got in touch with nature. I was, I was amazed at some of the things I would see out in these big open areas and in the wooded areas of how nature interacts with each other. And how, you know, we depend on nature, whether we know it or not. You know, green plants like trees and grass and weeds and everything make oxygen. Even seaweed and algae in ponds make oxygen. So we actually do, you know, we all are connected. And um, I told you earlier, I guess uh, I lived with a guy, I rented an apartment from a guy that was a holistic doctor. And... You know, we used to have long conversations about Eastern and Western medicine. But how I really started to get into it is uh, about three years ago, I was doing home visits. And I used to go visit people's houses and help them with their elderly father, usually, uh, or grandfather, whoever. And I got in a car accident. I was sitting at a red light in Boston, and the guy rammed me from behind. I wasn't even moving. Um, I, you know, smashed my truck up pretty good. His airbag went off in his front of his car was like really crack, you know, crashed up. It had to be towed away. So I went to get physical therapy and there was a business card hanging on the board there at the physical therapy place. 
And there's this woman offering her services, um, Reiki and crystals, you know, with all the different, you know, stones like, you know, crystal healing and things of that nature. And I started looking into Reiki, and I was got very interested in it. I thought, I really thought, you know, between my background as a kind of like a tree hugger, so to speak, and, um, <laughs> and I, the more I started getting interested in it, the more I read about it, and then I looked for a Reiki master. I decided I wanted to become a Reiki practitioner, but I, when I get into it, when I first talked to her, um, I said, you know, I have no interest in doing this except to myself for my own maintenance, so to speak. I had no interest in doing it on other people or starting a Reiki practice or becoming a You know, to me, it was all just the personal thing. And I found a teacher that I really liked. Um, she's a college professor in Eastern Massachusetts. And um, she asked me to read a book before I went to her class. And it was by a well-known author in Reiki. Is, her name is Pamela Miles. And she's out of New York City. And she's been on Dr. Oz and all that. And, they, and they're very um, well-known in the Reiki community. And I read her book. And, and after I read her book, I had to do it. Uh, it was fantastic. And one of the things that she pounds into your head is you have to do it every day, every day, seven days a week. So I went to um, my Reiki master in Massachusetts here, and I went to a class, and I became attuned, so to speak. That's a Western word. The actual Japanese word is uh, Reiju. It's kind of like an initiation ceremony or an entombment ceremony. See, all of us have Reiki energy in us. I don't call it Reiki energy. What it really means, Reiki means universal life force energy. Um, everything alive on the planet has energy, plants, animals, people, everything. So we all have it. We just don't really know it. And what it teaches you is how to attune yourself into able, you know, so the energy comes through you and flows through your body, and it's kind of a like the Western world, when you get sick, you go to a doctor, they give you a pill, they cut you open. In the Eastern world, they do a lot more on preventive maintenance, and so Reiki itself is preventive maintenance. The idea is if your mind's healthy and your body is... you you're less likely to get sick. And um, so it's like, you know, you don't dig a well when you're thirsty or your crops are dying. You dig it before you do anything, and then you plant your crops. So when you do get thirsty and you need water, you got it. So it's a a daily thing you do, a form of meditation. And what Reiki does is that you get the universal life force energy that flows through you and you, it comes out your hands, and you can, uh, by placing your hands on different parts of people's bodies, restore their um, energy flow. And basically how it works is your energy flows from the top of your head to the base of your spine. And any interruptions along the way makes you more vulnerable to getting sick. Um, Reiki works wonders on people with depression and anxiety. And they do it in hospitals here in Boston uh, before and after surgery. 
Um, so that's how I got into it. I, I, I kind of fell into it because I was going to physical therapy. I found a business card on a board, and I started looking into it. And what I found, what I want, was looking for is the purest form of Reiki before they started introducing stuff like chakra, chakras and crystals and all that. And um, so, it worked wonders for okay. me. Uh, so, Michael, let's let's get into exactly, you know, what Reiki is. You're, you're talking about energy force and healing, correct? Yes. And tapping into that. Um, how, how do you, how does one tap into that or, um, or is it best to go to a practitioner first? What what are your thoughts on that? I would suggest that you contact a Reiki master and what they do is they teach you how to prepare yourself to be a go-between, I guess would be the best word. See, I don't heal the person, the energy does. And when the energy goes through me and into them, it, it, Reiki does no harm at all to anybody. Um, you're just doing what's already out there, and you're just being more aware of it. Because um, you have it in you. You just don't know it. And I have it in me, and you just don't know it. So so, so would you say that um, it's a form of meditation or, yeah. or prayer that you're doing? Yes, it, it is spiritual, but it is not a religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, what it you know it, it how to explain it is kind of difficult. But it <clears throat> what you, it does is you get the energy you you prepare yourself in meditation and you ask for guidance from your spirits, from your angels, from God or whoever you want to call upon to prepare you to go into a meditation and then you pass it along to the other person. And Reiki is based on um, five precepts of meditation that they meditate on. And it, it was discovered, I, mean, I shouldn't say discovered, the, the Reiki that I, it's now it was started in Japan in um, the early 20th century by a guy named um, Makako Yusui. And... Um, he went on, you know, he was a, a Buddhist, and he had lots of different jobs. He lived in a Buddhist monk and all this. But he, at near the end of his life, put together what is now what you would call Reiki. And it's based on five principles that you meditate on. And, and, and it's called the Just for Today Five Precepts. Um, just for today, you will not get angry. You know, that's the peace part of it. You know, you, you just meditate on it. No matter what happens today, I will not get angry. Never, for any reason, um, just for today, you know, I will not worry about anything. You know, that's the serenity part of it. All your worries, you've got to get rid of them. You can't, one of the biggest things I see in Reiki and what it really works good on is people that worry a lot or stressed out. It calms you down. Completely. It really does a wonderful job of that. Um, okay, but you're talking about like a, a meditation type of thing, but isn't it also a um, – it's not exactly a massage type of thing, no. is it? Because uh, no. there, there is a touch uh, – a touching um, of the person also. Could you, could you explain that part of it? Yes, I'd be glad to. 
um, I'll just finish the five precepts, and then we'll go into the text. Okay. The, the, the third precept is gratitude. You know, be thankful. You know, as bad as you think you got it, it, it there's people who have it a lot worse, you know, people in poor countries and things of that nature and other people that are sick as well. But be grateful. And the fourth one is integrity. It's about, it's called work honestly. Um, and even if you're retired, it's about your integrity and honesty. And the fifth one is to be kind to all living things, including yourself. And that's one of the things I talk about when I talk in the homes that I work in, you know, when I work in the um, assisted living uh, dementia home, is don't beat yourself up. Um, you know, don't worry. You know, you get all upset about the things that you've done in your life or failed to do in your life, and you beat yourself up and Again, when you're upset or you're angry or you're worried or whatever it is, you're more apt to be prone to illness. So what you do is every day I meditate on the five precepts, and after a while it becomes, you don't even have to think about it, you just do it. I mean, there's a big difference between doing Reiki and actually being Reiki. And I've come to a, a point now where I... I be I am Reiki. It's not something I even have to think about anymore. It's automatic in my life, and it doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, it's not like you go to a Reiki master, get um, attuned, so to speak, and all of a sudden you live happily ever after. It takes experience, and the best experience is to do it on yourself. And to Brian, so it question, becomes sort of is it, it becomes sort of a lifestyle. Yes, exactly. It becomes a lifestyle. And what I do and all Reiki practitioners do is they'll put their hands on certain parts of your body. Now, the original um, Reiki did not have chakras in it. That was something that was added later um, when it came to the West. Uh, During the New Age era, you know, when New Age was popular in the uh, 80s and 90s, that's when Reiki really started getting noticed all over the America and in Europe and stuff, but it, what we do as humans, we can't keep our grubby little hands off of things, and so they added and some, you know, made it all, it's all over the map, which there's nothing wrong with that as long as you get the results. I mean, I don't use crystals, and some people do, and, you know, and things like that nature, but um, basically there are, if you, a lot of them use the chakra system. That's very um and there's seven chakras in your body, and you put your hands um, on their head, the top of their head and the sides of their head and on their forehead, and you work your way down. And the the top of your head is called your crown. That's one of the seven chakras. And that's where the universal energy life force comes in and out of you. Um, And then you move down to your forehead, with your hands placed there, and that's your third eye, and that's uh, like your intuition and things of that nature. Each one of them has a um, so-called purpose. And then you go down to your throat, and you put your hands on your throat. Now, if you're doing it on somebody else, they might not be very comfortable with you sticking your hands on their throat, so you can just stick them like an inch or two above their throat. You don't have to actually touch them. Because there's an aura around your body, believe it or not, an energy aura, feel, so to speak. And then you just move down from the aura of your throat, and you move down to your um, 
your chest where your heart is. And then you go down to your solar plexus, which is right under your rib cage. And then you go down to your, um, it's called different names, uh, uh, sacral or hara. And it's right below your belly button. You know, like two inches below your belly button, you put your hands there for your stomach and your digestive system. And your root is the base of your spine, which is very difficult for some people to touch because, you know, they're very old. And so I just tell them to put their hands on their hips. And there are numerous places you can place your hands. Um, What I suggest is that people start out with a very set routine where they start at the top and work their way down. And and if you contemplate the, the five precepts of Reiki, you know, don't get angry, don't worry, be grateful, work honestly, be kind to everybody, including yourself. And you meditate on each one of those five on all seven chakras, you know, if you spend like three minutes on each one, that's 21 minutes. You know, if you spend five minutes on each one, that's 35 minutes. Now, you can only do one of the precepts at a time if you want. You know, you can spend 20 minutes or 10 minutes or 20 or 30 minutes on just the uh, worry issue, you know, or, you know, being kind or whatever you want. See, there really is no set carved in stone way of doing reggae. The the whole idea of reggae is you first have to realize that you are part of the universe and you're important. Um, you know, most of us believe, well, we're just a drop in the bucket. No, no, you, we're not a drop in the bucket. We're a drop in the ocean. Okay? And, but that means you're part of the ocean. Yes. So, um, let, me, ocean let me ask you, Oh, go ahead. Let me ask you this part. When when you are you, you talk about the different parts of the body and 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 so forth. I I'm you lay your hands on the. Is there a? Do you actually come in physical contact? Do you lay your hands like right above the person? Is there a special way to hold your hands? How does all that work? Um, I put hands right on their body, very lightly, very a very light touch, say, on the top of their head. Then I might put my one hand on their forehead and the other hand right behind their head. So, and Or I'd cover both of my ears with my hands, or I'd cover my face with my hands and then move down to the throat and cover, you know, with a very light touch. Um, and the thing that's so wonderful about reggae, too, is you can do it anywhere. You can do it at home. You can do it sitting in your car. You can do it sitting up in a chair. You can do it lying in your bed. My favorite place in my house is I do it on my couch, laying on my couch. Um, you can do it anytime, day, night, afternoon, anytime at all. You know, what I just try to tell people is do it every single day. Make time for it. Um, a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy." But if you take 10, 15, 20 minutes out of your day to do some self-maintenance, it works wonders, especially for um, what it does for me personally is it helps me keep my composure in a building full of people with the later stages of dementia. I mean, it's almost like a, a nut house. I mean, they fight with each other all the time. 
um, you know, they're always trying to get out of the building, like escape. You know, the things that people with Alzheimer's and Reiki, I mean, with dementia do, you know, it's it's bizarre, all the different behaviors. You know, a guy might pull a fire alarm today and tomorrow, uh, you know, somebody might throw a book across the room at somebody and then the next day someone won't come out of the bathroom because they locked themselves in and they don't want to come out because they're afraid, you know. So to keep myself... It, it works wonders for keeping yourself um, under control where you don't worry about it and you don't get upset about it because it's not their fault and it's not your fault. So, you know, part of the um, being kind to yourself is uh, very important because when you start beating yourself up, well, what can I do? What can I do? Sometimes there is nothing you can do. You just got to let it run its course. And what I've been trained to do as a... Um, a dementia practitioner is to re-direct um, them. You know, one minute they're screaming and swearing at you, and two minutes later they're telling you how much they love you. If you can redirect them, you know, from what's going on to <clears throat> something else, anything. Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to jump in, Michael, a little bit because um, it sounds like who you're dealing with are are people who have um, severe or constant behaviors, and not everybody with dementia has that. I, I think. Um, with with Reiki, I think it it's it is something that can be used for um, care partners as well as people with dementia. And Michelle just noted in the chat box that she got to experience it um, in an event that she went to, and she found it very very um, calming. And um, she said they had her um, they had hands on her on her head, and um, some like you said some will touch and some won't. I think. For listeners who are, you know, kind of questioning the energy thing, or is this a religious kind of voodoo-y thing, because I know that there's a lot of people that think that, I would suggest that you rub your two hands together back and forth, just kind of like you're starting a fire, pretend like you have a stick in there, like when you were in uh, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, you know, and just rub your hands together until they get really warm, and then take your index finger and poke each of your um, palms inside, and just right. just poke them with your finger, and then bring your hands together. And typically, you can you can feel almost like a stick between your hands. You'll be able right. to feel that energy. So, um, I think what you're talking about is we're all interconnected, and we all have these gifts to tap into. And here, especially in America, we've been, um, you know, we we have our own medical models where we fix things with pills, but. So much right. is added by stress in our lives, and your five principles of, of Reiki are, you know, controlling our anger, you know, getting rid of it, um, not worrying because it's a waste of time. Most of what we worry about is never going to happen. Being grateful. We forget to be grateful. Um, work hard, and then, you know, be kind to others. And I think when we slow our bodies down and relax, which most of us have a really difficult time doing, um, again, because life is so busy, but getting in that quiet space, wherever that is for you, um, can have a huge effect on your body. You know, your, your breathing is going to change, your blood pressure is going to change. And then, you know, you can, um, use these techniques to calm yourself down. But as we all know, we're a mirror for one another as well. And so if I walk into a room with a bad mood, I'm probably going to get everybody else in a bad mood. If I walk in in a good right. mood, I'm going to help be able to lift the spirits up 
of that room. Again, not all the time, but the majority of time because we're reading nonverbals and and stuff. And so if we're walking into the room and we're calm and have a calm presence, we can stay more focused with somebody who either has dementia or is dealing with dementia or maybe just needs to vent. You know, we can help remove some of that anxiety by just staying calm um, in their presence. And again, you know, um, praying or meditating, whatever word you're comfortable with for your for, for your own religion, that's what you use. You know, you connect with your higher power, whoever that is. If you believe in a higher power and ask for great energy. I know when I do... Um, meditations and stuff, one of the things that I'll do, and I don't know if you do this, Michael or, or Brian, um, but I'll I'll take like 10 really deep breaths. And on the inhale, I will ask God and the universe to give me whatever I need in that moment to be the best possible me. And on the exhale, I ask that all toxins to my body be removed in, in mind, body, soul, whatever fashion they're in, just get them out of there. Um, that I don't need, you know, those types of things. And that alone just calms me down. I can change my blood pressure in a short period of time doing that, you know. So if you have the white coat system um, syndrome like I do, go into the doctor, they'll take your blood pressure. It's high. It's like, just give me a couple minutes. Let me do some deep breathing. And they're like, how do you do that? And I'm like, it's just, it's being conscious, you know. It's being conscious and it's believing that you can that you can tap into that. Um, and so I don't know, do you do any of the breathing techniques with your Reiki, Reiki, um, Michael at all? Oh, definitely. Yeah. In preparations, I, I always take deep cleansing breaths. I, um, I also give myself what's called a dry bath and, you know, you know, getting my hands and arms prepared. Um, and of course I asked for the spirits and, you know, some people, whatever you want to call it, like you say, God, spirits, angels, to come in and help me and enlighten me and get me, you know, because what happens with Reiki is that I'm not healing the person. Reiki is. And the one thing that's wonderful about Reiki, too, is you put your hands in different body places, you know, for as many minutes as you want. But the Reiki goes where it's needed. Um, you can't control the outcome. Um I can't control the outcome, and the patient can't control the outcome. The Reiki does what is needed to be done. And um, so it's all about, you know, like we were talking about, the mind and body balance. And some very famous people do Reiki, too. I, I was just flipping through some pages here, and this is from General Colin Powell, believe it or not. He does Reiki, and he has a quote here. It says, the search for more power is not part of the traditional Reiki path, the Reiki path is about improvement of the mind and the body, balance of our physical and mental, emotional, spiritual aspects through which we can achieve true happiness and a deeper connection to our true nature, allowing us to keep others, you know, to help others do the same. And this is a military general, and he even uh, uses Reiki to keep himself down, you know, calm. Um, and I think he says it very well. In the whole idea of Reiki is that you, if you're a caregiver, cannot give good care unless you are doing all right yourself. And it's very hard. I mean, when you're watching people go into a room where the 
the woman is sitting in her bed, and her daughter comes in to visit her, and the the, girl, the older woman doesn't even know it's her daughter, but thinks it's her sister, and the granddaughter's out in the hallway crying because she doesn't even know who she is. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster, and for the caregivers, if they can, you know, learn and start practicing Reiki on their own, it really helps them stay, to, you know, from getting unglued, so to speak. They understand that getting angry and worried and upset about it isn't going to change anything. Um, you've got to understand that it, this is going to run its course. There is, unfortunately, right now, there is no cure or even anything that can slow it down, to speak. It just runs its course of uh, dementia. And it's a very cruel and heartbreaking disease. So uh, what, would you say to, what would you say to people that would come to you and say, um, so you, you know, you practice Reiki, yeah. um, but I, I prefer, I prefer massage, uh, massage therapy and so forth. How would you, what would you tell them is the, uh, I guess for the end result, which would, how would you tell them about Reiki being a more positive experience for them? Well, I would tell them if they want a massage, they should see a massage therapist. Um, if they want Reiki, then they should talk to me. See, Reiki doesn't manipulate muscles or anything. Reiki does no harm at all. It does no harm to the practitioner or the client. Because um, it's not, and it's not medicine either. All Reiki practitioners know that if, you know, if you're taking medications that are prescribed by a doctor for whatever ails you, your heart condition or if you have um, Parkinson's or if you have high blood pressure or whatever it might be, you should always stay on your program with the doctor. And this is a supplement is what it is. And the whole precept behind it is that your body will heal itself if it's in tune, you know, if the energy is flowing smoothly. And the way to get the energy to smooth, um, run through you smoothly is you have to get rid of the blockages and what blocks your energy from flowing smoothly is if you're always mad or if you're always worried about stuff or if you beat yourself up constantly about what you should have done or what you didn't do you know and that's what makes you more vulnerable to be sick and if your body is calm and peaceful um your body will help. It'll heal itself. It, it, this does help. That uh, it, it's not like I said. It is not medicine. It is a um, supplement. I guess would be the best word to use. But if you do it on a daily basis and over time, you'll become. You'll go from doing Reiki to being Reiki. And once you get to that level where you don't even have to think about it, like I don't think about getting angry. I just don't get angry anymore. I don't think about worry, and yes, I do. I shouldn't say that, but I do. But I can get rid of that worry pretty fast. Um, and as far as I'm always grateful, I work honestly and as hard as I can. I'm 60 years old, so working in nursing homes or in these kind of facilities is very physical work, and at my age, it doesn't get any easier. Um, I remember a, a quick story that's kind of funny. is I A couple of years ago, I was complaining to my doctor I had to get a physical every year, and I said, you know, this work is so hard. And, you know, God, I don't know, you know. He goes, Michael, you should be happy. And I said, what do you mean, Doc? 
He goes, most guys your age couldn't do what you do. So what he did is he took a negative and turned it into a positive. And that's, I think, one of the things Reiki does. you got to take the negatives and get rid of them and replace them with something more positive in your thinking and in your meditation. Um, and, and in that regards is how it really, really helps you. So one one thing I'd like to to just clarify because you said you know Ray K can heal, um, you know I don't think it's going to get rid of somebody's diabetes or heart disease no. or anything like that, but it can it can heal I think your soul in terms of being calm, being able to be more present, um, to be more aware, more attuned, like you had mentioned earlier, um, which which leads us to be um, better people. Um, we had a couple of comments from our listeners. Um, Michelle um, said, you know, it really helped her prepare to be with her mom and um, kind of changed her mindset that, and it's best for her to be more relaxed and positive and ready to kind of follow her mom's lead. Um, Mike is saying, you know, it sounds like a really good tool for those of us that are experiencing a lot of anxiety due to the disease and said this is a, a great show, very helpful. So, again, this isn't for someone just with dementia. It's not for someone who just cares for somebody with dementia. Anybody at any age can really learn how to, how to, how to utilize Reiki and um, meditate and just calm themselves down just to, to be able to adjust and get through, you know, life's ups and downs that we, right. we all feel with that. Um, now, in terms of people looking um, for a Reiki practitioner, where can they go to, to find that? Is there an association or how does that work? Um, that's a really good question because like anything else, um, there are some good ones and there are some bad ones and there are some that are right on and some that are completely clueless. I mean, all you have to do is go on your computer on the Internet and um, go on to YouTube videos about reggae, and you can get attuned by just touching your TV screen or your computer screen, or you can send them some money and they'll send you all the things you need to do and know to be a reggae practitioner. Um, it is it's very difficult. What I did is I weeded through them, and I found a woman who is teaches the very purest form. Like I said, she's a college professor, and um, she doesn't do the crystals, and she doesn't do all this other stuff you know, that goes along with it. Like I said, when it, in the 80s and 90s, when the New Age movement was becoming very popular, um, that's when Reiki started becoming... It, there's many, many, many different forms of Reiki now. I mean, um, so picking a teacher, uh, you've you got to pick somebody that kind of thinks the same way you do about it and you might have to go through two or three of them you know talking to them and interviewing them or having conversations with them i've met a couple that i wouldn't um recommend at all and i've met a couple that i would be i'd say this is a good one you go go here and to talk to this lady or this guy you know um that's a tough question nowadays because years and years ago there were so few reiki people but now it's growing and uh, which is a good thing um that's why i'm here talking to you is to try to grow it um you know for people that 
whether they're dealing with dementia or any, you know, or you can do Reiki if you're perfectly healthy and everybody in your family is perfectly healthy. One of the things about Reiki is to keep yourself healthy so when times do get tough, your your system, your body is uh, much more able to deal with it, cope with it. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that people I see that happen all the time in my 60 years of life, people literally worry themselves sick. They worry so much they get sick. Yep. If they could learn how to get rid of that worry, they wouldn't get sick. Yeah, It has nothing to do with uh, popping pills or, you know, this or that. If you can just learn how to take a few minutes of your day to calm yourself down with good deep breathing and meditation on the five precepts and, and live the life of somebody who is, um, you know, has realized that this has always been available to you, and all you got to do is ask and, and do it. You know, ask and you shall receive. You know, go talk to some Reiki masters and get some education on it, um, you know, how energy healing works. Um, you know, it's a very unique thing, but anybody can learn how to do it. And, um, you know, like I said, it does not use my energy. Um doesn't you, it, what it does is it helps the person uh, that I'm treating get their energy flow going back, and it, and it can do no harm at all. It, there's no danger. Uh, Brian mentioned about massage therapy. Massage therapy, if it's done by somebody who isn't very good at it, could actually hurt you by manipulating muscles and you know giving you um, you know pressure points or whatever they do, rub this and do that. You could come out of there feeling worse than when you went in. You know, they could actually hurt you, you know. Where Reiki, that never happened. It's, it's completely... I've had, that, I've had that experience before. From you have? That, someone who, who some, uh, with a massage therapist, you know, giving me too much pressure on certain parts. And when you walked out of there, you felt like you were uh, played a game of tackle football. Because um, my right. body felt worse than, than what it did. Uh, when I went in, I think just the thought of having someone placing their hands on on your head and on the other parts of your body and just leaving them there, uh, that just thinking about that is very is very calming to me, um, rather than the whole uh, massage experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And, Brian, they, you can also do Reiki without touching the person. You can leave your hand like an inch over the the surface of their body, wherever what part of the body it is, their head, their chest, their belly, or whatever part of the body, you know, their hip, their knees, or whatever. Um, when you're dealing with people with dementia or the older ones, um, part of what makes Reiki so wonderful for, <clears throat> excuse me, the people that have dementia that are older it's that human touch, you know, holding their hand and touching their shoulders or just very lightly um, putting your hands on their head, very lightly, um, you know, I'll tell the lady, well, put your hands on top of your stomach, and then I put my hands on top of her hands, and, you know, we talk a little bit. And, and the last few ones I've done you know, a lady, I'll give you an example. A lady's walking up and down the hallway crying, pacing up and down, crying, crying, and, um, you know, in this locked-up dementia unit. 
And I sat her in a chair and I gave her a Reiki session. And I talked to her about the precepts while I was giving her the treatment. And 15 minutes later, she was sound asleep. And she woke up a half an hour later and was smiling and walking around. And she didn't remember that she was walking up and down the hallway crying her eyes out. You know, the fact that, you know, it's hopeless as it seems to give a Reiki treatment to somebody with uh, severe Alzheimer's or dementia, the point is it's not hopeless or, or a waste of time. It gives them an escape for 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes or whatever of whatever demons that are going on in their head and where they can actually forget about it all for a while and um, be calm and smile and be happy. Even though it's only a short time, it's better, you know, I was talking to a nurse yesterday and I said, you know, if you go into a place like this, you know, most of the people aren't going to, you can't do Reiki because they're so far advanced in the disease, it, it just doesn't register. And then you have the ones that aren't so far advanced. But we were talking about if you have a 100-bed facility and you can only do Reiki, say, to five or ten of them, maybe even five of them, um, you've accomplished something very good. Well, and and I guess I would say that you could do it on, on all parties. Um, they don't need to be able to connect, um, you know, verbally with you on this. I mean, if you're, if you're truly, I mean, you can pray for anybody and meditate for anybody and try to give healing and, and pass that energy on to them, no matter what level they're at. Um, we need to wrap up here. <clears throat> um, so Michael, I want to give out your contact information. If people want to uh, reach out to you, they can contact you at divine Michael at yahoo.com. That's D E V I N E. And then Michael M I C H A E L at yahoo.com. And I appreciate you so much for, uh, for being with us today. Um, <clears throat> for those of you that are new here to Alzheimer's Speaks, I, I want to just give a shout out to uh, Rachel Perrin, who's a culinary director for Kowalski's Markets um, here in the Twin Cities, along with her producer and sidekick, Adam Lee. They, um, <clears throat> they joined Alive and Social, and they talk about uh, kind of foodtastic things and they really cover like seasonal flavors and favorite foods and trendy nutri- nutrition topics. Um, everything kind of yummy for your tummy. And they do it in a 10 to 15 minute period. Um, so it's really quick. So if you're looking for something to assist you with dinner, uh, check out uh, check out Alive and Social. Um, and again, their show is What's for Dinner Tonight. Or you can always go to www. K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S dot com for complete menus there. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our latest shows, um, we talked about driving change in dementia, and we were talking with Jennifer about her license plates, uh, specialty license plates for Alzheimer's and dementia. We also were talking with um, Ann Campanella, who wrote the book Motherhood Lost and Found, which was a fascinating conversation. But again, if you go to our radio show homepage, just scroll down, you'll see all of our shows listed there. Um, Dementia Chats, our our last session, I still am in the process of 
of editing, but we had a great conversation about how doctors handle diagnosis and what is given or not given to patients. And I'm hoping to get that out yet this week. I've just been packed and fighting off allergies myself. Our prior dementia chats that is still live um, talks about the Alzheimer's walks, some of the pros and cons of what people living with dementia think. And our last conscious caring resource, um, all of these you can find on our YouTube page, was with Norms McNamara. And he's the guy uh, basically who kicked off the Purple Angel uh, project there. Um, If you're looking uh, to see the film His Neighbor Phil, I'll be in Hopkins, Minnesota at the high school on October 30th. I will also be at uh, St. Teresa of Woodbury, Minnesota, November 16th, and I'll be down in Memphis, Tennessee. I'll be posting more information on that. On the blog, you'll be able to find an article by Michael Ellenbogen um, talking about driving change um, in Congress uh, to really push for some changes in dementia, and that post just went out on the 2nd. And then you'll also find information on the uh, city of Roseville Uh, The Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team launched a new initiative for what we call caregiver re-entry, and you'll be able to find more information on that as well. In the meantime, look for our next show um, this coming Thursday, where we will be uh, talking about coconut oil. Have a blessed week, everyone. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.